Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Running over slightly with a new friend. So, okay. how you been? I've been pretty good. It's been a busy fall. I can't believe the year is almost over. I don't really know where the time is going, but things have been pretty good. I went to Yosemite National Park in October, so that's a beautiful place. Have you seen the Free Solo documentary? No, I haven't. I think you would probably enjoy that one. It's there's a mountain or a rock climbing guy who does the whole thing with no ropes just his hands and some chalk and so he scaled some really impressive cliff faces that way and there's this documentary free solo it tracks him climbing one of the mountains in the park in Yosemite it's like it's El Capitan you may have heard of it it's like the mecca of rock climbers so it's cool it brings people all over the world there to get their shot at it but yeah the documentary is a little bit terrifying but he lives so that helps when you watch yeah yeah that does help the story yeah I did remember seeing something but I don't think it was related about free climbing it was was a movie trailer or something so I I can I can visualize you talking about but I've uh, never heard of the of the thing so okay cool how you been otherwise yeah good just you know working and living (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the dream starting to get into some training for a half marathon this spring so that'll be my first oh wow race wow. of that length so yeah that's exciting Good. I don't know not much else going on how about you it's been an incredibly busy period I don't think I've, I don't think I can recall being this busy for a long time wow. um just yeah I mean we've, we've obviously we haven't caught up for a long time so one aspect has been the value execs network just you know a lot of a lot of people wanting to come on board uh, a few prospects customers to chat with so that's going to become a a good portion of of my time then i joined a, a fintech platform or company called phoenix one where we build we provide the ability to build your fintech platform basically making apis beautiful would be a good way to explain it because we've taken all the hard work around the integration and and leave the user just to build their own app. And when they drag things on, we've, you know, we've made sure it's compliant and, and all that kind of stuff. So they don't have to worry about, you know, because uh, if you if you do payments in different regions, there's different laws and regulations you've got to comply with. Within our APIs and our logic, we've, we've handled all that stuff and we generate the code and, and all that stuff. So, so that's been quite, quite exciting. And then value as a product has taken well, we had to we had to make some architectural changes to it, but to make it more scalable. So that's been good. That's finishing up now. So we're going to launch that. Well, we're going we're to do some fundraising now. So that'll start in, in the next couple of days because I want to I want to build out the de- the dev team more and do some more put it, put some more salespeople on it. You know, the the big thing has been getting the product into that stage that now it's been through a few through pilots. It's been used by a few people. I've got a lot of feedback. We prioritize all work, and now it's just to get it to to go out so that's probably imminent as we talk because it's it's the plan was to have it done by today so it'll probably slip to monday but it's it's there 
I've just done two demos on it this this week and pretty good. I was pretty happy with it. So yeah, been a, it's been a long year building it, but just 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 over a year. But uh, we've we've got there finally. Well, that's super exciting. I'm not sure how you're doing all of that at once, but that is awesome. When you say <laughs> fundraising, is that something like are you crowdsourcing anything? Like, is there something listeners? Could yeah. Go? So, so yeah. we've got. So we're going to do it that. We're going to start out that way. So we've got you know through the various communities that I'm involved in, we've got a, a list of people on our mailing list that we're going to email out initially. And and we're starting with, you know, from a very small number, like 250 pounds up to whatever people want to contribute, really. But there's there's a couple of packages to pick to get the shareholding uh, in the company. And then, you know, as you go through that raise, we obviously, at, uh, as much as we're, we're, we're sort of doing the friends and family thing, it's open to VCs and PEs and all that kind of stuff as well. But ideally, I, I want to get people involved first before we get into the bigger big funds just because you know when we do the return on that i want the people we know to benefit not not just you know the the funds will benefit as well but they have different drivers but yeah so so we've i mean i've self-funded it to date which has been worthwhile i think because it's meant you know not you know if you take money too early then you can build nothing you build a lot of stuff but it doesn't really solve any problems when you're bootstrapping Mm -hmm. it yourself and you you know you're watching what's being built you become very pedantic about what's actually the most important thing to build, and and that was my mistake early on. If we had to ever, if you had to ever ask me my mistake in the beginning, was trying to build too much too quickly, and we will build the stuff that we we've, we've built. The, I mean, the stuff we've built, we won't lose. It's still there. We just had to turn a lot of it off because it's, you know, the the, the core of the product actually the value proposition. We know what that is now. I mean, we, we knew it was valuable. We actually in in the demos I've done this week, I hadn't realized how valuable it was. Because when I showed it to you, I was like, oh, geez, I wish I had that. And that's exactly the response that you want from the, the person that's, you know, buying. Is they go, that's exactly what I want. So, so I'm feeling pretty good about it going into Christmas. So, so yeah. Great. No, that's awesome. It's all about that first killer use case. How are you positioning it now? Or would you want to share kind of what what part you're seeing be, yeah, like the main, main use case? So I think- yeah, I think so. So, I mean, let's go through what it is. So mm-hmm. when when I first conceived it, it was going to be a calculator, basically, a big glorified calculator, return on value calculator. That was what that was kind of the, and, and if I look at my original documents, that's what I actually had called it, ROV calculator. And and that was fine in the sense that we were taking numbers and we were putting it through our formula and coming out with a return number, you know, sort of black magic, you know, here here's how it's going to come out and not really, it's not really easy to tell a story around that. On its own because a number in in that sense is a number that in, in just a point in time because when you when you take the, the data the inputs on a friday the you know the first of the month and then the, then they do the next one at the end of the month the numbers will be different because you have different inputs but how did it go from one to the other that's really the question so with that in mind we built out the rest of the product which is okr based objectives key results which you know is something i'm still mad about to the point that i, I don't even think about them as i don't think any other way than thinking OKRs, which is quite bizarre because someone actually said to me, "You do you realize that you don't even call them OKRs? You just talk about them like everyone understands what OKR is. Like you just talk about objectives and then how to get there. OKRs is part of your speech now. You don't even call them objectives, key results. Part of your just, language. <laughs> it's just it's just how you think. And I was like, yeah, that's probably that's right because I've always thought like, what's the goal? How do we get there? What are the steps? 
and you know big steps are the key are the key results and the small steps are the tasks and that's what our product does but really what's what's important about our, our product is how it, it's the question of what do i do first so if you've got a list of objectives or a list of key results how do you prioritize that work how do you decide what's the most important thing and that's where some of our value comes in because we've got a framework that very with three simple questions you can answer that thing and then with the fourth question you can understand the value of doing it so if you think about our quadrant the value quadrant it's four blocks cartesian plane the y-axis is the value and the x-axis is the complexity you basically want everything in the top left hand quadrant because that is that is your easy to do relatively easy to do within six months because it's not to six months and then that's your first quadrant. Your second quadrant on the same line would be six to 24 months. So that's your more strategic things to do. So it's important to do, but there's complexity to doing. And that complexity is normally a technical complexity. It could be integrations, it could be whatever it is. And then you have your bottom left-hand corner, which is lower value, but easy to do. So you might want to go and replace 500 hard drives with solid state drives. It's a low value thing in from a cost point of view and, and a return to the user and the replacement, but it just keeps the value engine going across. Whereas a high value item could be rebooting your machines every two weeks. Because by rebooting your machines every two weeks, you get back a certain amount of, of productivity because you have less memory leaks. You make sure that the security patches are installed and uh, the users have a fresh experience every two weeks. Because a lot of users will leave the machines open and running for, for years or months and then it just gets slower and slower. <laughs> doesn't happen so much with the Mac as, as it does with Windows, but Windows, you definitely see it in two weeks. Mac, probably, I probably give them that about a month. And then you can start seeing it. And you'll know. And and the difference between Windows and 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 Mac is, Windows will degrade slowly, whereas a Mac will just basically degrade. Yeah. Like you just you have no. It's true. <laughs> and it's and it's just one of those things. But you know, so the the point I'm trying to make is that that prioritization matrix or quadrant is a very important feature because that that very clearly articulates your top things to do and what the return on value is going to be. Then you can take that into sequencing, organizing it. So you're, you're so ordering your OKRs. So what we've put in is a, a like a roadmap where you pick the, the objectives that are important. You put them in order. Do this one first, do this one second, do this one third. And then, then underneath that is your key results and your value proposition and your, your commentary. So that basically becomes your reporting tool. So if anybody wants to know mm -hmm. how you're doing, you're like, here's my, here's my objectives. Now, all of this is encompassed in a workspace. So the architectural thing we had to do was initially what we thought is that everyone would use everything inside one workspace. And then we realized actually, well, I realized this and I, and, and I looked at my notes and I actually had forgotten to tell everybody this. We're supposed to be able to have many workspaces from day one because a workspace is actually a project. So we had to put that piece in, which was actually fairly quick to do. So it just made, we had to make sure that it worked. But the idea then is that you go and start an initiative. You've got your workspace, which has got everything inside it. Now, I've only mentioned OKRs, but we also do the risk and governance piece. So, so identifying your risks, your assumptions, your issues, your dependencies, and then the other stuff that I know it's important, like your evidence, evidence of success, your support stuff, your questions. So all these things are inside your workspace. And that combination together is what people are very interested in because you can have OKRs in a spreadsheet. You can have your risks in a spreadsheet, but to have them together with the value proposition you can have your business case in a spreadsheet, but it's inconsistent because depending on who you're talking to and how they're doing it, you'll have different spreadsheets. But the common things are the same. Priority, status, who's the owner, what it is, when's it due by. That's consistent. So we, we, you know, the OKR piece is not the main selling point of the software, but it's the most important piece from a story point of view because now we can do our benchmarking at the beginning of the month 
And I can tell you, at the end of the month, your value was X. We go through the whole 30 days, get to the end of the month, and now your, your, your value is X plus Y or X minus Y. But now I can tell you what you guys did in between to change those values, provided using the tool, of course. If you don't use the tool, then you know we can't do that. But but the idea is that you would. And part of that has been pulling in. So the data we're collecting, you know, initially will be manual, but it's not difficult for us to integrate and pull that KPI. So what we're doing with one of the customers is we're going to take uh, an API from their, their product that they're using and pull that every day at the same time. And then we're going to show that value across the period. And then we can show with an overlay of what the tasks were that they did before and, and after that. Well, they could see the task linked to the, the KPI and they can see how their tasks affect the KPI. Mm-hmm. And what they're hoping to see in this thing, which we'll know in the future, is is it the activity that they're doing that's affecting the KPI or is something else affecting the KPI? Because if it's not, if something else is affecting the KPI and their task actually isn't making any difference, then why are you doing the task? Mm-hmm. So they've seen it from productivity value proposition as opposed to a revenue one. So you're helping point out a little bit more scientifically the actual business result and whether yeah. so they can like course correct. Yeah, there's a few things to it. One is that the often people know there's a problem and they can't they can't articulate what the problem is. So so we answer that question or help answer that question. I mean, yeah, depending on what the what the problem is, you you know, you may think it's the answer, but it might be something else. But at least we start to we started to crystallize where to look for the problem. And then the other thing is that when you start to crystallize what you're looking for and what you and what it is, you start to understand the size and the impact of that problem. So if I if I use a very basic analogy, so we have a ticketing analysis, incident ticket analysis part of the product. And you are doing we're doing ticket analysis. So we take 30,000 tickets from you, we process them them through and we map them to our scenarios. Now I've, I've done if I talked about scenarios, I can't remember now. I've spoken so much about the product this week, I can't remember who I've told what. I don't think you've mentioned but, them on this recording at so, least. So part of this, the part of the important part of this product is it's a it's an it's a, an expert system. We're capturing knowledge, problem solution. That's a scenario. So if we're if we do a ticket analysis and we come through and we've got thirty thousand tickets, and let's say of that thirty thousand tickets, we can identify ten thousand are just noise, which I'll come back to in a second, and twenty thousand have actually got some interesting things in it. We can group them and, and we use some machine learning and some NLP into categorizations and say, okay, well out of your twenty thousand left over, there's these fifty scenarios that you should look at. And from a you know, very basic, the most to the least ranking, these are the ones you should be looking at in order to address. Now, let's say out of your 20,000, 1,000 of those are disk space issues. So you know, very easy one. These machines, these guys keep logging issues for, for running out disk space. Now, if you've got the t- telemetry, so let's say you've got a lakeside, a control, one of those guys, and they've got the data, you can now marry the 1,000 tickets with potentially, let's say, let's say, just for argument's sake, it's a one-to-one relationship. You've got a thousand machines. You can go marry that data now with the telemetry that you've got to say, oh yes, out of the thousand machines, we can see 500 of these actually are running out of storage. Like they just don't have enough space. They're on a 126 gig, or I can't remember what the smaller one is, 128 gig hard drive. That's madness. They should be on a one terabyte hard drive. Boom, let's just go replace those drives and migrate them. And it might cost you, you know, $150 for the drive and it might cost you another $100 for the, the labor. But the tickets that, that have been logged, the 500 tickets at, at it's just use easy, easy math, $50 a ticket, that's 25 grand. That number is, you know, almost balancing itself out. It's probably not, but 
but the point is you're avoiding tickets in the future. But also what's happening is you might have only addressed the disk space issue, the 500 tickets for those users, but those tickets are probably, those users are probably logging other tickets for other things that are going on that are all related to disk space. Because if your disk space is, is full up, none of your apps will work. So yeah. they probably log tickets for Outlook, they probably log tickets for network, for whatever, whatever. So you probably will knock out another three times as many tickets. So let's say 15, another thousand tickets. So now that's $50,000 that you've saved. So the combination already is $75,000. And all you've done is know, all we've done, all we've helped the customer to understand is what their problem is, how to scale it, and then what to do about it. And that's our, that's our scenario and action plan. So if we see that the out of this scenario come up, we have an action plan that says, you should go and do a comparison of these users and their devices against what their available storage is. And you have two choices. One choice is to immediately replace their drive with a double the capacity or, or, or an X factor of the capacity. Or if that's not the problem, you can run a, a script that cleans up the disk to remove unused files or whatever it is. Or your third option is to go look at what they're actually doing from a behavioral point of view and educate them about what they're doing and move some of the stuff off where it is. Like for example, a lot of a lot of people will have like their whole Dropbox folder sitting on their machine, but they never use it. They just keep it there. But the whole point of having something like Dropbox or OneDrive or uh, whatever is or box is to have it in the cloud so your machine is clean. So it's just it just gives people the option. So what we're doing there is now we're telling inverted commas the customer what to do. So you're an end user. Uh, centric company, you want to solve it. We've got a whole bunch of scenarios to solve that problem. You want to do ESG, you've got a whole bunch of scenarios to work on that area. You're in, you're doing information security, you've got a whole bunch of scenarios for that. And it's literally, here are the things to do. Now, why I say this is an expert system is you as a customer, or you might have a partner, can create your own scenarios. So you can expand your knowledge. Now you're going to go and onboard a new team. Like you're going to go, uh, I was talking to a guy now about, about doing shops. You want everyone, when they go build a new shop, to follow a set of, of things. You can go put the scenarios there as things that they have to follow or make sure of when they get there. And if they run into these issues, this is how you solve the issue. So if you're putting in a new shop, the shop fittings, and you run out of power or something like that, here's what you need to do. You need to log this call with this person. You need to raise this invoice, whatever it is. I mean, you know, the, the flexibility is there. Do it, do whatever you like. It basically becomes a checklist mechanism in some respects. But... You know, some of the tools that I work with, where you know I've got good connections, will integrate directly. So on the automation front, we could trigger the automation, or check that the automation is triggered, because that's often the problem with a lot of these things is, is is consolidating the information, not just into a report, but consolidating the information into a report in context of the other information you had. So you're running your objectives, you know, you're the sort of roadmap I said three in a row. We start bubbling in the information, saying, okay, objective one was to achieve this goal. Here are the real-time KPIs that have been that were presented today, and here is the trend of where we thought you would be, and this is where you are right now based on actual data. And it just makes it so easy to make decisions because then you can either stop what you're doing or change what you're doing or, or leave it as it is. And that's what that's what people want to know. What do I need to do? One of yeah, those three things. I'm going to answer those tough questions. So if you were to boil it down and say, here's the value of value, it's more successful projects to drive more meaningful outcomes, or how would you? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, it, that, I mean, that's the best way to to to, to summarize it. But I, I would probably say one more thing. If you look at any business that has done digital transformation successfully, they are more profitable. Anyone who's done it badly or hasn't done it probably isn't here anymore. Mm. So that's that's where we want to be. 
Now, I'm, I'm not talking about grandiose every big program. I don't think it has to. I mean, th those are fine too. Could do those. But I'm saying if you just if if you and I was talking to one of the guys about it today. If you if you just let each team just be more successful in what they're doing by giving them a workspace and having this ability to to have this information to make right decisions, that effect across the organization will butterfly out, and then everyone will be successful because you'll have alignment, you'll have accountability, you'll have knowledge of your impact of your decisions. Stuff that's very difficult to do because right now, if you work in, in the average corporate, which, I mean, I've come from that background as well, everything's in Excel and mm -hmm. it's someone else's Excel. So even before you get involved in it, you have to have to educate yourself on the Excel spreadsheet that you've been given because someone else has built it. And that obviously doesn't always work. So, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for the new, I think, I think we're going to hit, we're going to help. And, and for me, it's about, you know, it's scaling what I do, which is to go and help somebody be successful. Yeah. So if anyone's on the subscriber list, I guess they can look out for that opportunity then, that email. Yeah. Or well, reach um, out to me directly and we can we can chat for sure. Awesome. Well, Super. that's all very exciting. Glad it's really starting to take off, it sounds like. So that's great. Excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, well, you, you know, you've been part of the process too. Part of this, I mean, part of the podcast has been just talking about this stuff for ages and now it's yeah. crystallized. So, so yeah, we've, we finally... I mean, it's quite funny because I think we started in November 2020, something like that, or 2019. So it's like just before COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be 2019. Yeah. So yeah. cool. I do need to run. Unfortunately, I got to go and have one of those value conversations. But yeah, yeah talk to you later. That's great. See ya. Well, Bye. Yeah, Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.